Hey folks, welcome to the latest edition of the Shire Salvos podcast, your home of everything that's happening at both our Menai and Randa locations. I'm your host, Jack Clifton. Thanks again uh, for joining us here on the Shire Salvos podcast. We've got the sermon that was played or, or was, uh, was spoken uh, to you on uh, church uh, on Sunday, on yesterday. We're, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. So we've got the sermon to play for you a little bit later on in the podcast. But we've also got all the latest uh, news. There's plenty of things happening around the life of the church. So let's jump into your latest uh, Shire Salvos news here on the Shire Salvos podcast. Always uh, lots of things happening, so uh, we just want to remind you of uh, the different things that are happening around the life of our church. We've obviously got our Sunday church service each and every week, 9.30 a.m. at our Menor location, 11 Pilliger Place at Bangor, um, as we continue to look through the James Challenge. Um, also, um, and we've mentioned this a couple of weeks ago on the Shire Salvos podcast, uh, the newsletter, you might you might be on the, the newsletter list that Zoe Lang does a, a marvellous job of uh, curating that and putting that together. has been happening weekly, but um, it is now um, just going to be a monthly uh, monthly edition. Um, so there will be a host of different things in here. Some things happening at the start of the month, others happening at the end of the month. Um, so um, yeah, if you want, um, uh, if you have any questions, I guess about that, you can contact either Joel Campbell, uh, Kim Briggs, or Zoe Lang um, by yeah, contacting the church office, and they can uh, they can answer all your questions. Um, or perhaps you might want to get put on that newsletter list as well. So uh, once a month is uh, is the new frequency uh, for the Sh- for the Shire Salvos um, newsletter. We've got uh, the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in, uh, well, less than a week now. It's Saturday the 17th and also Sunday the 18th of September. So um, you uh, you still have a chance to sign up. Uh, uh, it's probably a little bit too late if you were, you were wanting to host an event, uh, but if you still want to attend an event, uh, please do get in contact with Bet Kundasami, who's doing a great job um, uh, getting involved in, and organising all of that. I think I went to my first Guess Who's Coming to Dinner in, in 2018 when I first started coming to Shire Salvos. And although it was a daunting a daunting experience for, for me when you, you don't know too many people, it can be a really, yeah, really fruitful and a really rich experience getting to meet people in the church that you might not normally cross paths with. Uh, getting to have conversations about yeah yeah your, your walk with Christ or even just uh, conversations in, in getting to know each other I think it's a really good thing so there's both Saturday nights uh, there's, oh, sorry there's both a Saturday night and a Sunday afternoon um, sessions I, I guess we could say available uh, Saturday night for, for dinner Sunday afternoon after church uh, for lunch um, so yeah they they have said that. Uh, registration forms need to be um, submitted online by Sunday, the 11th of September. We're only 24 hours removed from that, so I'm sure Beck would uh, would be more than happy to accommodate for you, um, accommodate to you. But uh, I would uh, encourage you to get in contact with her uh, relatively quickly. Uh, next Monday, Boomers and Beyond have their next um, monthly uh, outing. They're going to Bundina. Um, so that's happening at 10.15am next Monday. They're meeting at Cronulla Wharf. The ferry leaves Bundina at 2pm. And if you want more information uh, or you need to, or you can RSVP, you can contact Robert. RSVPs are unwanted or are needed by the 12th of September. But again, I'm sure there is a little bit of leeway there because they are going to the Bundina RSL, a wonderful uh, little RSL club uh, down there in a, a beautiful part of the Sutherland Shire. So if, uh, if you classify yourself as a Boomer and maybe beyond, um, then yeah, do get in contact with Robin or contact the church office to find out uh, a bit more information about that. And finally, Equip Kids Camp is coming up. Uh, there's two dates coming up uh, in late October and early November. It's uh, for children. Um, and uh, if they're interested in, in heading across age seven uh, to grade six, so kind of ages of, of seven to around 11 or 12, 
28th to the 30th of October, it's happening at Lake Macquarie, and then the 4th to the 6th of November down in the beautiful Shoalhaven. It costs $130 uh, for children, and if you want more information, uh, you can contact Beck Kundasami, who does wonderful work in our kids' ministry department. So contact Beck if you want a bit more information um, about that. So that's all the news we have for you this week on the Shire Salvos podcast. But don't fret, don't go anywhere. We've got our sermon that was uh, given to you guys on Sunday morning from our most recent church service. And then we're back to wrap everything up here on the Shire Salvos podcast. That's every teacher's tactic to wake up the room. So there you go, just waking up the room. So we are in our final week of the James Challenge. And as you can already see, it's a really easy passage, really easy. So thanks, team. My sister did say, say, um, did say to me, you're not going to preach on that one, are you? And I was like, um, that's what I've been given. <laughs> so here we go. So we are looking at, um, obviously, the James Challenge over the last seven weeks. Um, and this is just a bit of a recap. So... Um, Dylan, have you got one, two, and three there for me? Yeah. So we had Kim first. We had a guest preacher. We had Joel. So I just want to read briefly over those. So Kim looked at, are our actions consistent? Who are we turning to under pressure? Brooke got us to think about, are, are we dead Christians? This idea of faith and deeds must go together. Joel looked at the way about in terms of how we speak. And the next one, Dylan, for me. Jacob, kingdom wisdom is found in the presence of God. Karen, two weeks ago, grace is God's plan for when we fail or can't overcome our human self-focus. And then last week on Father's Day, David spoke to us about allowing God into our plans, helping us to live today well. So what a challenge this book of James actually brings to us. And James 5 continues with this idea of how do we live life well where words and actions matter for actually living a life that is uh, for Jesus in the world. In our passage today, James contrasts two things. And the first one is he contrasts the impatience and the danger that can come from trusting in our wealth with the patience and strength that comes from trusting and valuing God. So the impatience and the danger of trusting our wealth versus the patience and strength that actually comes from trusting and valuing God. You know, every now and then how you get a bit of a reality check and you ponder again and you're reminded about what life is about, uh, what really matters. I've had a few of those lately. Um, And this final chapter in James definitely did this for me as well. Now, a big disclaimer on today and what I'm going to say is that I don't have it all together, nor does Mark and I, nor our family. Um, So this message to me is just as much an encouragement and a challenge as hopefully it is for you today as well. So we're going to have a bit of interaction here today. That's how I like to do my lessons. I don't like to, um, when I teach, I don't like to have everyone sitting there just staring at me. All right. So what does society value? We're talking about your values today. So what does society value? I want to feed this back to me. Who's that? Yeah, gay money. Yep. What else? Sport. Yeah. Sporty nation, aren't we? Image, the way we look, what we portray, success, friends, status, loyalty, equality, yeah, family, yeah, 
Be who you are. Do you, right? Now, I want you to ponder quietly for a moment, so don't yell these things out to me. But what do you value? I'll give you 30 seconds. What do you value? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Betty. Now, we'd all want to say God, family, friends, being generous to others, maybe serving others. But do we really value and invest in those things? Do you invest in those things? There's many times that I don't. Now, I want you to, uh, it's a bit of an activity for you to think about. Think about your past month. All right, so let's go with, you know, the month of August, maybe into September. If you looked at your diary or your calendar, your finances, or maybe that the way you spent your hours, what does it say about what you value? So just ponder that for a moment. Your diary, your calendar, your finances, how you spent your hours, what does it say about what you value? For Mark and I, we try to have this conversation, at least at the beginning of every year. We want to make sure that we're valuing the right things. Uh, we don't always get it right, um, and we're working towards making it better, and we make tweaks along the way. But if you looked at my diary, you would say that I value doing things. I'm a really task-orientated person. At times, the task overshadows the people, and I'm still working on that. My diary also shows that, our, that I value people. I value catch-ups, family, friends. It shows that I value exercise and looking after my body. Our finances, well, it at the moment shows that the price of groceries have gone up. It's very frustrating, isn't it? But it does show that we tithe to our church, that we give away a portion of our income because we want to live out the values of the kingdom. So does your, does your calendar, does your diary, does how you spend your time actually show the things that you value? One day, we're all going to have to give an account, aren't we, for how we spent our time here on earth. And that's a challenge, isn't it? That's scary. So let's kick off um, our James 5 passage today. We're looking at part one, being the dangers in trusting wealth. So James begins, look here, you rich people. Well, he's certainly not making any friends, is he? James addresses those in society who were the rich unbelievers. He describes the anguish that is to come because they have trusted in their wealth. They have accumulated possessions and they've treated others badly to achieve wealth. He accuses the rich of selfishness and he holds them responsible for failing to use their wealth to benefit society. He holds them responsible for doing it. God intends more, right? And in James 2 and 3, he continues and he says, Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. And here James is referring to three main sources of wealth from the east. So we had uh, food and grain, all right, so or corn and grain, sorry. And that was if you had food stored up, you were considered wealthy. Garments or clothes, and if you had several changes of clothes, again, that indicated wealth. And then there's the, the third one, gold, silver, and jewellery. 
Now, each of these things can be ruined, can't they? They can be eaten, they can be rotted, they can be corrupted or even, be, or even corrode. And then he goes on to say, the very thing you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. The very thing that you were counting on, what was in your hand, the very thing that you were counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. The very things you place value upon, things you make important that maybe aren't, things you give too much attention to, will breed discontentment like nothing else. I wonder if that's ever been your experience, where you've desired something so much and it's, it's come into your hands and you've focused on it too much and eventually it just breeds discontentment, doesn't it? It breeds that whole idea of actually you want more. It's not enough. It doesn't satisfy. So verse 4 talks about how the rich have treated others. The businessmen cheated their labourers. They withheld money. There was bad business. There was different rules that they lived by. They simply just focused on themselves and forgot about others. So does this passage relate to us? When James is warning the rich people here, does it mean anything for us? Do we consider ourselves rich? We may not be millionaires or billionaires, but we do have money in the bank, a pantry full of food, and my kids say there's nothing to eat, but it's full of food. We have several changes of clothes, some of us a little bit more than others. We do have a roof over our heads. Some of us own a house, a car, or multiple cars. We have gadgets, expensive toys. We're rich, right? Statistics tell us that Australians are some of the wealthiest people on the planet. What we have and what we own, other people around the world would die for. And I don't think we actually fully grasp that, do we? What we actually do have. So James is giving us, you and I, this warning today too. Let's not accumulate stuff. Stuff that's temporary. Let's not value our earthly possessions in a way that's unhealthy. Let's not make the world's ways of doing life or what it says about being successful the main focus. Let's not make the world's way of doing life or what it says about being successful the main focus and goal. We know it breeds discontentment. We want to value uh, the eternal perspectives, don't we? Now, I'm not saying wealth is bad, that we should all live as paupers, because I actually believe that God blesses us, doesn't he, with so much. So there's nothing wrong with living comfortably or providing for your family, but it's when this stuff takes centre stage, when our focus becomes skewed, when our values become absolutely skewed. We live with hands tightly closed, closed don't we, in terms of what we have, as opposed to actually opening our hands and allowing God to, to bless the things that we're actually giving away to others. Let's remember that God actually is the provider, isn't he, of all things for us. Now, a bit of a story that during term three, um, as a teacher, uh, most teachers would get asked to indicate your preference for work for the following year. So sometimes, you know, it's, is it, are you going from full-time to part-time, part-time to full-time, how many days, etc.? Um, now I know not everyone gets a choice in that, um, and sometimes you take work when it's given to you. Um, but I just want to explain how we've kind of navigated this as a family, and giving this a little bit more um, of a, just a real-life story. So again, we're not perfect. 
So just hear that first. So Judy's starting school next year. Good luck to them. (laughs) Um, And we've also made the choice to send our children to a Christian school. So there's a conversation that needed to be had between Mark and I. um, And full-time work seemed to be the no-brainer that I should just go back to work full-time. But we actually decided that I would request part-time again. We would rather be tight financially than be tight for time. And we need to realise that. We need to place value and emphasis on the fact that actually we want to be around for our kids. Um, And we have the blessing of being able to do that. So I'd rather be tight financially and let other things go in order for that to happen. We want to have time for others. We want to have time to be able to serve here at church, to do things that we're passionate about and to value things that we really see as important. Now, with that decision of me going part-time, there are things that we've actually decided that we have to forego because of that decision. Our kids, they only do one activity, sport or music. Our world, the mum guilt is huge here when the world says, oh, no, your kids should be out every afternoon. Cricket one day, netball the next, a musical instrument the next day, swimming lessons the next. And my kids do one. But I need to forego that. We don't have subscriptions to every possible streaming service that there is. Um, We don't often have takeaway regularly. Jack is laughing. Thanks, Jack. We say no to good invitations in order to sometimes rest as a family. We often use things like Facebook Marketplace and Gumtree to buy our goods as opposed to buying things um, firsthand. We do things like refinancing, which we're doing at the moment, which takes so much time but it ensures that we're getting the best deal possible. So there are always going to be hard choices that you have to make and sacrifices in order to value the things that really matter. There's always going to be hard choices and sacrifices that you need to make in order to value the things that really matter. It's not easy, and I still grapple with this one. So just ask yourself for a moment, are you valuing earthly possessions Or are you valuing uh, earthly ways of thinking? James then continues in the passage and he gives us this contrasting story, completely different to the one that has uh, the earthly possessions and the wealth. And so part two today is looking at um, just some guidance in how do we actually value the right things. If we don't want to value the earthly stuff, then how do we actually value the eternal? So he shifts and he brings his word of encouragement now to the believers. And he says, if the rich have done this to you, if you've been cheated, if you've been on the, the, the receiving end of bad business, for us it could be, if earthly wealth has consumed you and your values seem out of whack, He says, then respond in this way. So he starts by saying, verse 7 and 8, Dear brothers, sisters and believers, listen. Be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Be patient and stand firm for the coming of the Lord is near. In other words, shift your perspective. Remember the prize. What's ahead? Stay the course. James simply urges us to remain patient and stand firm in our faith even when we want to throw in the towel, or even when others around us are, frankly, a little bit annoying. 
But here is, a, here is James with a different way to think and a different way to live. So our first one is to be patient. Be patient in the waiting to endure. Our world says if something's not happening quick enough, then make a way. Our world also says that if it's not happening, then we should just give up. We seek and we love instant gratification, don't we? But I believe God wants us to journey through the challenge and to journey through the hardships. Patience is difficult and it's not something you want to pray for, is it? You know you'll get opportunities. But twice James says to be patient and he makes it sound so easy. Just wait, be patient, you say to the kids, don't you? Wait your turn. Probably as easy as saying calm down to a frustrated toddler, hey. It's not easy, but James makes it sound really easy. So patience here, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Patience here is not passive, sit on your hands, wait your turn, just wait it out. It's actually an active patience with spirit and faith. So it's not a sit on your hands and just wait for nothing to happen. You need to be active, okay, with spirit and faith. So we say that patience is waiting for something with expectancy. It is waiting with hope without fretting. It's endurance without grumbling. Or maybe for us it is this. It is the endurance and eager expectation for the promise of Jesus returning to be fulfilled. The eager expectation, the endurance to persevere. So the context here for being patient is in the waiting. It's in the waiting for Jesus to return. And maybe that's not something that you are excited about. I know as I've, as I've gotten older, I've sat with that a bit more. But early on, I was quite fearful about that. What would it look like? What happens if I hadn't made the right choice? What happens if I got overlooked? What happens if it wasn't good enough? And that's how I used to think. But we do have to acknowledge that this life is temporary, don't we? It's temporary. And so James is urging us to be patient in our day to day, to endure So how does this be patient for the Lord's return actually help us in getting our values right? If we're shifting our focus from don't place value upon the earthly and instead place it on the heavenly, then how does this verse kind of link in? I think for me, this verse just reminds us of the bigger picture. It gives us perspective about what life is about. The goal is God. Heaven is our home. We were created by God to love and serve him and to be in relationship with him and his people. Love God, love others. Let's keep it simple, right? So let's remind ourselves what's actually important. It's not, it's not, the, um, it's not the earthly that we should be developing and accumulating. It's the heavenly treasures that we should be developing. James then goes on and he gives us this example of farmers. I don't know about you, but I love when the Bible gives farming examples. I'm not a farming girl or anything, but I just love the idea of crops and things growing. When we, when we go places, even when we're in cans with um, the other soapers, we, Luke and I would go, yeah, what do you reckon's growing there? Maybe it's corn. And we try and make up some scenario why it looks a particular way and something about it. I just love it. But I love that this uh, particular verse, the farmers, they wait patiently, don't they, for their crops. You have to wait. There's a time and a season. Sometimes the rain comes and sometimes it doesn't. But what do they do? They know the end game. They know they have to endure. They know they have to stick with it. And they do. 
So let's be a bit more like farmers, right? I'm trying to grow a veggie garden too. I'm going to get into that. So how do we get this patience or this endurance for everyday life? Where does it come from? Feed this back to me. Where do we get this patience, this endurance? Where does it come from? Prayer? Yeah. Trust? Yeah. Holy Spirit? Yeah, it does, hey. We can't try to do it on our own. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? And we know that actually it's God within us. It's the Holy Spirit that has to develop this stuff. We can't kind of do it in our own strength. We need to allow God to do character development in us. That's not easy. Now, second piece of uh, guidance that James gives is to take courage and to stand firm. Courage is the quality of mind which enables humans to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness. True courage comes from trusting that God is with us in all circumstances. Last year, John 15 was one of my verses that I stuck to. And it was Jesus' words to me that if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The word to me was anchor yourself and don't drift. I come back to this regularly. So how do we do this? How do we actually stand firm? How do we value the right things when our world kind of shifts us elsewhere? Well, we have to keep our eyes fixed on God and the things of his kingdom. And that's easy to say, isn't it? But it's a whole lot harder to put into practice. So I'm going to give you a bit of a list here. When we are keeping our eyes on God, we want to choose faith over fear. We want to choose community over wanting to be isolated. We want to choose forgiveness over hurt. We want to choose serving over being served. Character development over character flaws. Love over judgment. Ultimately, we want to choose Jesus and his way of thinking over the world's way of thinking. It's not easy. So let's wake up and not allow ourselves to drift through life unconsciously. Like I said, this is just as much a reminder to me and a challenge to me. God knows that the days are tricky. He knows the challenges ahead. The struggles to remain when the world wants us to be distracted. He knows that. So take courage and and encounter the challenge with firmness and trust in God. Plant yourself, anchor. And this standing firm, I think it's in the consistency. It's the day-to-day. It's the small steps. It's not something you wake up and the next day, yeah, yeah, I'm really firm, really trusting God. It's the day-to-day, isn't it? It's the little decisions, day after day after day. James reminds us to be so deeply rooted in Christ so that we can remain steadfast in everything that comes our way. That's what this passage is about. He reminds us to value things that matter, kingdom things. We want to live lives that exemplify the love, the mercy, the goodness and compassion of God, exactly as Jesus did. We need to actively live out our faith as James has been calling us to do all along over the last five chapters. In preparing for today, I kept saying to Mark, I just need an example. I need a story or something. 
I can't remember stories like you do. It's like Rain Man. Remember stories from years ago. Do you remember the time we did that? Nah. So today, so today I want to tell you about two matriarchs um, who understood what it was like to live a life with a kingdom perspective and they valued the right things. The first matriarch, Her Majesty the Queen. What a story. The word constant has been used in recent days, hasn't it? As someone who has been there for most, if not all, of our lifetimes, she had it all, fame, money, a fancy title, amazing clothes, expensive jewellery, and tiaras that little girls would dream of. Yet at the end of life, these things just simply couldn't be taken with her. They just don't matter. Instead, it was her choice to follow God, to value the things that he did and to model her life off them that made all the difference. She said in her Christmas address in 2002, every day is a new beginning. I know that the only way to live my life is to try to do what is right, to take the long view, to give of my best in all that the day brings and to put my trust in God. She got it, didn't she? She valued the right things. The other matriarch is my grandma. She was the matriarch of our family. And on Wednesday, we remembered and celebrated my grandma's life who recently passed away. Grandma Salt, that's, what we, that's her name. She was a 10-pound pom. She married my pop, had two children, one being my mum. She lost her husband to cancer when she was in her 50s. And then six years later, lost her son, my uncle, to cancer also. She lived on her own in this unit for 30 years in a retirement village. She knew heartache, yet she knew and trusted God. I've heard and recalled countless stories of her life over the last few weeks. A life with purpose, with meaning. She valued the right things. She was generous. She showed kindness in the small things and the big things. She loved well, she laughed often, she sang loud and like an opera singer. She knew Jesus and she lived well in this world. She experienced heartache and pain, yet she continued to stay the course. She knew what it was to be patiently waiting for Jesus' return, or in her case, when she was called home. She wasn't idle in her waiting. And she used her life to love God and love others. She was patient, enduring. She showed courage. She showed faith over fear. She valued people rather than possessions. She did love her Ladro figurines. Has anyone got one of those or know what they are? These really expensive porcelain figurines. Yet at the end of life, they're still sitting in her unit. And she's actually given them each to the grandkids. Don't tell the grandkids that they're worth a bit. So this idea that earthly treasures just don't go with us, do they? In a little book that my mum found among her favourite things, there was a question that asked, Grandma, at the end of your life, how would you like your children and grandchildren to remember you? And she wrote, A fun-loving lady who loved them dearly, always ready to hear any problems and ready to help if possible. One who truly lived a life that she preached to others and was kind and loving 
and caring and funny and can enjoy a joke at her expense. And she did exactly that. So we're going to have a few minutes now just to sit, to reflect and to pray. And that's going to come and play with us. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, I want you to ask God these questions. Are there any values that you need to realign? A regular check of this is a healthy thing, isn't it? Recheck, have a think about your values. A regular check is healthy. So ask the Holy Spirit, are there any values that need to be realigned? And then the action point, how are you actually going to do this? What changes need to be made in your life? It's not about doing more or fitting more in. It might be simply saying no to something in order so that you can say yes to something that really matters. Or maybe today you just needed the encouragement to stay the course. When it's easier to throw in the towel, when you're at school and you're the only one that believes in your group of friends, it's easier to throw in the towel. So what is it that God is wanting to speak to you today? So Matt's going to play, you're going to pray, and then I'll close in a moment. A wonderful word um, that uh, was brought to us this week, and I, I really do hope that you were uh, you were encouraged by uh, Lauren uh, preaching to us and, and speaking uh, from the heart and, and speaking from the word. Um, it was uh, yeah very um, uh, really important uh, conversation to to have and and to listen to um, to, to Lauren. Um, she's someone that we we don't always see up the front of church, and it is really encouraging to see her uh, spreading the word and spreading the gospel with us. So I, I do hope that you were encouraged um, and, and uplifted by the sermon this week on the Shire Salvos podcast. That brings us to the end of another podcast episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always a pleasure uh, to, uh, to, to, um, to bring the podcast to you week in and week out. And we do really appreciate all of you um, that do tune in uh, every single week as we update you on everything that's happening around the church. But until uh, next Monday afternoon, we're a brand new episode of the podcast is going to be released on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean and all other good podcast providers. Or in case I might uh, see you before then at church, the Jack Clifton bidding you farewell and God bless for the Shire Salvos podcast. Mm-hmm.